Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, welcome back. And if this is your first time, welcome to the community. We've now reached 74 countries. Have you ever been drawn to someone because of their voice? Maybe the intonation of their voice captures you. The soothing tones of their voice relaxes you or even inspires you. Have you wanted to improve your own communication skills? Have you ever wondered how some people can easily capture the attention of others, whilst others, despite their best efforts, simply are unable to do so? Many get nervous talking in front of large audiences, but my guest today has mastered the art. He's even written a book about how to do it. He's an experienced voiceover artist and public speaker. His advice is well worth a listen. Well, let's meet him. His name is Sam Cousy. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Now, one thing I want to let the audience know is our friendship goes back uh, a long, long time, well, well over a decade, isn't it? So I'm absolutely delighted to have you on, man. Yeah, I mean, bro, it's actually, I would say it's close to two decades, you know, because I, I reckon I met you around 03. Was it really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll remind you off air where we met, you know. Um, but, <laughs> but it was uh, it was good good vibes, good vibes. Let's leave it there. It, it's but, um, always yeah, good it, vibes so, with us, isn't it? It's always amazing. Yeah, I, I tell you, man. So it, nearly 20 years, man. So we've been in the trenches together, you know. So um, we go way me. back. Goodness me. No, 19, <laughs> yeah, 19, 20 years, man. That, that's, mm, in my head, yeah. it was more like 12, 13. But, uh, I know, it just flown by, isn't it? Goodness me. Well, time goes faster when you're having fun. So that's, that's, that's probably why, oh, but uh, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so Sam, like the topic of today, the reason I wanted to have you on uh, to share with the, the audience is about your, your public speaking and voiceover work. So when, when did you get into that as a, as a professional public speaker uh, and a, a voiceover artist? So I've been in the public speaking game about five years. It was 2017 was when I first got into public speaking voiceover just a year after 2018 was when I started so about four years in voiceover as well that's nice and the fact that you went into to voiceover work um so soon after I mean is that like a natural progression or I mean do you find that a lot of uh, professional public speakers you know end up going into voiceover work or is that just something that you wanted to do actually not so it's not something I've observed to be honest um so but for me it was a natural progression because I guess my um, bigger skill skill sets lying communicative um, stuff. Um, so yeah, for me it was just a natural progression. Mm. And like, is there any sort of one? I know that obviously they're related, but they're different. Are there, are there any sort of one of them that you prefer? You know, like when you're doing a voiceover bit of work, or when you're doing your professional public speaking. I don't know. Can you compare them, or is it a, a different joy? Uh, <laughs> it's a different joy. I put it this way. Um, even in the book, this is how I put it. Uh, I can be doing some of the best voiceover takes in my PJs, you know. <laughs> but you, but, but, but where's it going to? <laughs> are, you, are you in your PJs right now? <laughs> mate, mate, uh, no comments. Uh, <laughs> that's the beauty of your uh, work, though. You don't even need to be in the office. You can. <laughs> that, that, that's the that's thing, fantastic. man. Fantastic. Uh, but public speaking, you need to sort of dress up and look the part. So, but I love both of them, you know. I really do. I love both of them. Um, so yeah, 2017 was when, you know, it started for public speaking. Mm. Basically I just um, invested in myself. So I got professional 
public speaking training. Mm. Um, and that was really a game changer for me because I was already fairly adept at speaking. Mm. But with the training, it really taught me about the business side of public speaking. So um, I got some help from two um, amazing experts who really trained me up. And once I found out about the business side of it, I was like, yo, I need to do this. This is awesome. You know, this is very, very interesting. And also the subject matter that I speak about and the various topics are very rewarding as well. So, um, yeah, so I guess five years in the speaking game. Now with voiceover, it was a similar blueprint in terms of, again, I invested into myself. I got professional training. Um, there was a company in America that basically helped me out, trained me, and um, helped me sort out my demos as well. Um, and I still have good relations with them to this day. Um, so I guess, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm still learning, you know, still trying to improve and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I've been doing it four or five years now. And just to clarify, you've never done a bit of public speaking in your pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Never. No, not yet. Is that, not is yet. That maybe, not yet. I feel not like yet. by I your mean, laugh, it could have been once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's, what's amazing is so I've done um, virtual public speaking gigs, but so far, each time I've been requested to turn on the camera, so I couldn't really, um, you, you I couldn't really do, do that. that one. But yeah, but you know, there's, there's still time, you know. I'll so, keep you posted. Absolutely. So, so a virtual, when we're on that topic, a virtual public speaking gig, what exactly is that then? I mean, I think I know what it is, but could you tell the audience what that is? Yeah, I mean, basically during COVID, um, we couldn't go and do live in-person speaking engagements. Of course. And so um, they just sell it up online, basically. So we just did it like over Zoom or, you know, Microsoft Teams. And uh, even in that way, you could um, have a, much bigger reach so if there's companies that have branches in other countries they could also link into the uh, keynote and hear the talk as well of course so your audience would have grown uh, exponentially during that time then because of covid yeah 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 it did absolutely amazing so the path into um voiceover work and public speaking is actually quite different isn't it so i mean are you would you say that you're uh, one of few that do both as far as I know, I don't really know anyone else that does both. I mean, you have voiceover artists that speak at annual voiceover conferences and that kind of thing. But in terms of uh, doing keynote speaking on a consistent basis, um, I don't really know of too many myself. That's really, really interesting. Now, in terms of your voiceover work, how hard is it to get gigs in that when you're just starting out? Because I think a lot of people, you know, we've all seen those amazing voiceovers in you know, on the TV or, or in between a movie and you're thinking, goodness me, like these people with beautiful, blessed voices. Um, and you're thinking, goodness me, they must be earning a packet for doing that. But when you're just starting out, you've got no, nothing in your CV. How, how hard is it to get gigs in that? Like who, who comes to, to ask you for help? Well, it depends. Um, if you're going for, you know, the big shiny TV advert straight away, then you'll mm. probably be waiting a long time. Um, I just am a firm believer in always betting on yourself. So especially in this digital age, you can pull out your own content and build up your portfolio that way. So you can stream stuff on Spotify, YouTube, or whatever the case may be. Build up your own portfolio. And I always say, chase um, high caliber clients over chasing gigs. Because even if you do get the big shiny gig and you nail it, 
there's nothing to say that the next time that that company does an advert, they'll call you. In fact, because, you know, they want to um, promote diversity, they'll probably give it to someone else. Mm. Whereas if you can get a high caliber client that falls in love with you, then you've basically systematized voiceover. They will be coming back and giving you work on a monthly and hopefully weekly basis, perhaps. Wow, it can be that regular. Yeah, oh, it has been for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing stuff. So like when you start off, can it be, um, if there's people out there listening to this and they think, oh, actually, you know, I'd, I'd like to maybe get into to voiceover work. Um, could it be profitable enough for them, you know, when they're just starting out or only after years of experience? Absolutely profitable. I mean, for me, I'm having no complaints, mate. <laughs> um, it's like anything. Uh, it takes time to be very profitable. Um, but you know, bro, the, the number one rule in investing is never put all your eggs in one basket, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do. there's a few things I do. I do my voiceover, the public speaking. I do publishing. There's a host of other things. But I can safely say that voiceover is the most consistent stream of income. And um, it's probably the larger fraction of the income that I get. So, um, but, but I think it's, it's, a, it's all about a mindset shift because I'm, I'm not one to sort of sit around and wait for a gig, you know? Um, I just think that, you know, you shouldn't have to ask someone else's permission to use your God-given talent. So you believe in yourself and you pull out your own content and then eventually it will just snowball. You know, and then you have you have a portfolio that is um, sturdy enough to attract the high caliber clients. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. I love that actually. I love I love the way that you look at it, and and the fact that you said you know you're not going to just sit around you know, in in your proverbial PJs and and wait for a gig when you you know you got to get out there and use that God given gift. Well, proverbial or literal? <laughs> or, or, well, or, or literal. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if one day you get a request for some voiceover work and they're like, actually, could we just see, uh, we, 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 we want to see what pajamas you use. And, uh, and if we like them, we'll definitely give you this gig. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. I've got some ridiculous visions going on right now, but, uh, now your, your languages as well. I need to get to, to this as well, because obviously this is an audio podcast. People don't know what, what, uh, what you look like, but you have Ghanaian roots. So you speak, uh, twee. Uh, I don't know if I've said that correctly. Um, yeah, close enough. <laughs> tweet and I don't know if you, do you speak ga as well? No, no, no. Just don't tweet. understand the word of ga, just tree. Yeah. So, but hey, even my tree, I, I must say that my tree is by no means like my English. Um, to a, a bona fide Ghanaian auntie or uncle, they will see that it's a very much an anglicized tree. It's the kid that was born here. But I can, I can hold my own in it. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful language. So have you ever done voiceover work in tweet? Or only English? No, no, only English. But having said that, see, the language is so beautiful, right? Mm. And um, I do have a lot of content and stuff that I'll do and pull out maybe later. So it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to do something in cheap, but I think I would outsource it. I would get you know, someone who's very proficient to, um, you know, do some of my tree content for me. Mm. That's really, really cool. Switching to your public speaking uh, again, What's the biggest audience that you've ever spoken to? And what was it about? Oh, this will be hard. I would say probably around 2000, maybe. Wow. Um, 2000. So I think, I think it was um, about disability. It was disability conference. And um, yeah, it's, um, 
it, see, the great thing is it's a good cause. The stuff that I speak about, disability, equality, um, you are actually making a difference as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm humbled to be able to do it. That's really, really beautiful. I bet there's a load of beautiful experiences that, that come out from that as well and people that you meet who really thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, and I've got to say, it's, it's those moments that you really, um, you savour, you know. It's not, it's not just about the bag or the money or whatever you want to call it. It's about really impacting people and allowing their voices to be heard. That really means a lot to me. Yeah, no, that's really, really beautiful. So when you engage in, in your public speaking seminars, um, in general, I mean, you've just given us an example, but could you give us an example of other, other type of audiences it, it could draw? So I speak a lot um, to sort of decision makers, HR teams, uh, policy makers. Uh, it really depends on what the gig is, you know, what the booking is. Mm. Um, and like I said before, uh, in person or virtually. So if it's a virtual conference, then oftentimes, then they do get different departments, let's say it's a business, to tune in and listen as well. So um, I would say in a nutshell, sort of educated, professional people who are critical thinkers and have a bag of questions for you after the engagement, which I also love to answer as well. Because mm, um, it's not just me imparting knowledge. Sometimes I can actually learn something as well from the feedback. Yeah, so it's a bit of back and forth as well then. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So it could be like a, a suit and tie type of event in the sense that, you know, you're speaking to these business professionals, but are, are there other sort of um, seminars that you've done that is, you know, just really laid back, chilled vibes, you know, bunch of humor, cracking jokes, any like that as well? Yeah. I mean, regardless of the clientele or the audience, uh, humor has got to be, you know, any, any good speaker knows humor is um, an intrinsic part of your talk. You know, there's a saying that nobody can resist the truth wrapped up in a good joke. Oh, I love right? it. So whether you're talking to all of these, you know, high flying execs or even at schools uh, back in the day, and I still do it, you know, a couple of times a year to speak at schools. So you have to change your language, you know, you're speaking to younger people um, and definitely to capture and enrapture their attention, you must use humor. So you, you adapt your, you know, the things you say and maybe certain um, the humor that you use with, say, young people in a school. Do you think you subconsciously or consciously adapt the intonation of your voice as well when, you know, depending on, the, on, on your audience or, or not? Yeah, absolutely. You have to. So um, it's what I call vocal hyperbole. When you're talking to younger people, if you're doing reads uh, aimed at a younger audience, then you will, you will talk um, in a different way. Um, but the, the fundamentals of good speaking are consistent regardless of whom you're talking to. Um, and, you know, the great thing about talking to people a little bit younger as well is they are not, um, how can I put it? They're not so, I was going to use the word stuck in, for want of a better phrase, stuck in their ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're, they're really more open to possibilities, you know, and I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. Mm, so they're more like malleable and you feel that you can have a bigger impact mm. on them almost. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Malleable. Yeah, definitely Malle for sure. Malleability. And I, I love that phrase you mm. said, vocal hyperbole. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a, that's an amazing line. I'm gonna have you copyrighted that, bro? Because I want to use that again. You know what? Guess where that guess where that line appears 
in my new book. Does it really? <laughs> we'll come to that. We're going we'll to come, come to that. To that. But a bill of shameless plugging. Oh, I love that. Yeah, there's there's no anyone. shameless plugging at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be done. I know. I just I thought you know what that's I like that. I know it's just a two word sentence, but I I like the the the, the sentence vocal hyperbole. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's actually going. Yeah, it's it's actually it's. sort of almost. I can't even think about the next question I want to ask you because it's just going round and round in my head now. I love it. I really, really like that. Very, very effective uh, use of words there, um, which oh, of course thanks. is part of part of what you do as well. Um, that's that's nice. Switching back over now, we keep on jumping from you know voiceover work to public speaking to voiceover, but I like that. I like I like mm-hmm. a fast moving conversation. It keeps the audience engaged. But getting back to the yeah. voiceover work, how many voiceover gigs do you think that you've done uh, up to this point? Okay, it'll be hard to say exactly, but definitely over 100, 100% over 100. Um, And again, what's really helped with that is doing my own content. Mm. So I've worked for um, many other people and um, very good publishing houses that have entrusted me with their work and that kind of thing. But the great thing about doing your own content is you don't need anyone to green light it and you just do it yourself. And that's what's really helped me. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very firm believer in the, um, oh, my mind's gone. Um, the 10,000 hour theory. Uh, uh, I, I, I religiously believe that. So you, you understand the premise of it, right? Is that about that the mastery? You can master something in, is that what yes. you Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So it takes, uh, approximately the average person, perhaps 10,000 hours mm. to master something. Uh, so that could be done, um, maybe in 10 years, some people say, but what I, um, what I figured out during COVID and lockdown is um, we could actually expedite the t- uh, that time because we, we had all that time basically at home. Um, in, the could our own, <laughs> in, in the PJs or the lack thereof, <laughs> let's leave it there, but um, you know, keep it PG. But, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just swigging on some babies right now. <laughs> One second. Hmm. Sorry, man, I should have so, told you to get a Bailey's out as well. I, I knew I'd enjoy uh, this. Mate, <laughs> you know what I've got? I, if you don't want to know what I've got. I've got, um, mm. yeah, something oh. very nice here. Have you? But, yeah. So, so, tell me yeah, off air so, later, yeah? Yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what was I saying? Yeah, so basically during COVID, we can just pull out our own content. And it's trial and error. You just put stuff out and you kind of see what sticks, you know. But for me, it, it was just like a training ground. Of in my mind, it wasn't about you know, getting clicks or that kind of thing. I've never been about that. Um, it was really about in my mind. Okay, and I've got ten thousand hours mm. that I'm trying to get under my belt um, to master my subject, and I think I've done it. I've been doing speaking for five years. Um, I, I would say if, if you combine the speaking time with the voiceover stuff, all in all, you know, on this. You know, uh, field of communication. I think I could say I've got ten thousand hours under my under my belt, but by no means does it make me, you know, um, you know, not need to learn anymore. You know, I'm, no. I'm forever trying to learn and improve. But um, yeah, that's 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 basically um, my perspective on it. Absolutely, and I love that. Um, I mean, it's just coming to the conversation now, but this this idea of ten thousand hours is is very encouraging for people listening to that because look, it's a lot of hours. I think the average full time job is well, depends on where you work, obviously. It's probably sixteen to eighteen hundred, you know, one thousand eight hundred hours, maybe two thousand. That's a heavy, heavy job. But you know, in a year, right? So it's, yeah, like you say, if, if you make it your full time job for five years, maybe six, you've you've got that ten thousand hours. So you're thinking, well, I want to learn 
a language or two, or I want to do a degree in mathematics mm. and theoretical physics, or oh, you know, in ancient history, or in like like you, voiceover work, uh, public speaking. Mm. It's it's just really yes. encouraging for people to hear that. You know, I think it's very motivating. Mm. Oh, thanks, thanks. I mean, I, I, I'm passionate about it. You know, it's something um, that I, I love doing. You know, I love doing. So yeah, if if it helps anyone, then that's that's awesome. And it comes across as well, you know, that you're passionate about that and that you, you know, you love what you do. What, what, um, mm. what were your most enjoyable, I mean, out of a hundred or more, it's going to be hard to, to narrow this down, but are there any that stand out in your mind? I'm talking about the voiceover gigs that you've done that were the most enjoyable and equally or equally, uh, sorry, I should say the most challenging. Yeah, believe it or not, even though there's so many gigs, um, without question, and this is not just for the sake of shameless plugging, but it was the recording of my book, um, Voiceover and Public Speaking Prowess. Let me tell you why. Because there's something phenomenal and empowering and liberating about conceiving the idea, coming up with the idea for the book, yeah, yeah. writing the book, mm-hmm. you know, doing research um, and whatnot. Then you actually write it, publishing the book, and then the cherry on the cake to narrate it. Mm. You know, knowing that you you are reading and narrating your own words, bro. That's a that's a different feeling. That's I, awesome. No, I can imagine because it's like you you are the writer. You're the ones. You know, the words that you're seeing on a page are the words that have come from your heart and mind. Um, yes. In, in you know, and we all know what it's like to to speak our ideas in our mind, but then to actually speak it out loud um, uh, is beautiful. Knowing that people are going to listen to it. You know, it's coming from you, the author, and it's of course the the content matter is about uh, uh, public speaking and voiceover work. So it's, it's completely <laughs> applicable in every single way. It's not like you're you've written a book about I don't know uh, how to win playing chess, you know, and then you're narrating that. I'm sure <laughs> that would be enjoyable to a level, you know. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you take the knight to 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 e three, and then you take the bishop to h four, you know. But at the it's, <laughs> I'm sure that would appeal to some geeks out there, but um, what you're narrating is something that you're passionate about and actually means so much mm. to you. So, of course, that passion is going to mm. come come through uh, in in the narration. Yeah, and regarding your second point about challenging, see, even though I've just eulogised how great it was um, to do the book and everything, I just think to be a consummate professional, even if it was about a subject which isn't the most interesting, let's say, um, like your job is to make sure that doesn't come across in your voice. Mm. So you need to make it sound interesting and it's not faking it till you make it. It's actually about researching enough until you find something interesting about what you formerly found uninteresting. And so the challenges almost become your strengths in a way because you've been able to navigate sort of a tougher terrain and, um, you know, really put the source on an otherwise bland um, offering, let's say. Um, so there's stuff that comes to mind. I've done some audio books that weren't well-written. Um, I'm sure the authors would admit that, but it was my job to make sure that that didn't show in the narration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did my level best. I've done like an audio book. This was a very good one, actually. Um, fifth, but the, it was just so long. So the finished time was 50 hours. Yeah, so finished... Yeah, 50, <laughs> 50 finished hours. That is of crazy. Audio, you know, but 
I was thoroughly um, satisfied with it and it was a very good book. Um, and I'm doing something at the moment. I can't talk too much about it, but I reckon by the time it's done, it will be 90 hours. Wow. That is insane. Yeah, so, I mean, so that's challenging just from the longevity uh, perspective, but um, it's also really interesting and there's something nice about having a long project as well, I guess, in some yeah. ways. And of course, what people need to realise, and I'm sure many have, have, have clung on to that fact, is that 90 hours is not 90 hours of your time. It's a lot more because just to record a minute might be an hour of your time or, you know, to perfect well, it. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So the av- what they say on average, like, let, okay, if we're talking about audiobooks, right? Mm. So if you're going to produce one hour mm. of finished audio, mm. then allow allow for two hours. Okay. In so terms of, yeah. Okay. But when, when you're really in the groove of things, my goal is to even half that, you know, so maybe uh, if I, if I spend one and a half hour, I mean, this is when I'm really in the groove, it takes a while, but if I spend one and a half hours, then one hour is ready to present as finished audio, That's but you've got to be on top. Yeah. You've got to be on top of your game, but on average, they say, you know, allow two hours for one hour. Or finished studio, but those you know the the best in their game can maybe achieve you know one and a half x essentially is what you're saying one point five x you know times the, the 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 time of the finished products for sure yeah That's amazing. But, but for me I I find it's when I'm in my groove so if I were just to just start now um, you'll find maybe early on is where the mistakes are made but there's something about when you're in the groove of something. You know, it's like, I mean, you've been on the, I've seen you on the dance floor many a time, <laughs> right? And, yeah, maybe, you know, when, 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 as, as you're approaching the dance floor, you know, you're just sort of warming up. You're not quite in the group. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, leave my man there for an hour and come back and see him. And he's running the thing, you know what I mean? Oh, so, boy. Um, yeah, so when you're in the groove, that's that's really when um, you can really be in your element, for sure. I'm looking forward to the comments just uh, <laughs> that I get after that. They're going to be like, really? <laughs> oh, boy. You have no idea what that's, that, that's opened a can of worms now for sure. That's going to be, <laughs> oh boy, that's amazing. Bro, can I put you on the, on the spot, right? Could you give us yeah, go for it. a line right now? So like, let, let's pretend that you're doing some kind of voiceover work. Now what the audience as well, I just need to point this out in case it isn't already obvious. We're recording this via Zoom. Okay. So, you know, you sound beautiful, right? But if, I'm just saying this to you guys who are listening. If you want to hear just how good Sam sounds, right? However good he sounds now on this podcast, in 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 reality, it's just on another level, right? So go to his website. I'm going to leave all of this in the show notes at the end. And he's got some samples of his voiceover work. It is truly amazing. It's something to behold. So bear that in mind. But having said that, Sam, could you give us, you know, pretend you're doing voiceover and just, yeah, hit us with a line or, or whatever. Do, do what you want. It's your show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let me give you this line. Tell me if you uh, recognize where this line comes from. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you love traveling to new places, meeting the locals, submersing yourself into their culture <laughs> and making life changing friendships? Then you will love this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? Hey, that's copyrighted, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that that is genius. Do you know, when I thought of asking you that, I never in a million years, I like thought that you would pick that. That is, that's... (laughs) That that just shows the genius of the man I'm talking to, man. That that was phenomenal. That was brilliant. 
<laughs> oh, you cracked me up. Oh, so oh, funny. No, that was uh, that was very very nice, man. The the intonation that you use and the depth of your voice and the bass and ah, oh, yeah, it's a uh, very sexy voice and very just. I don't even know what 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 words to use. It's you know because deep doesn't do it. Ju- I mean, it is deep, but that that's not the full description of it. It's just um, I don't know. Is it like ugh. I'm looking at my empty glass of Bailey's right now? I don't know if it, if I can compare it to a some kind of alcoholic drink that has like loads of different tonal flavors coming out and you know hits you like you know you drink and then you you have a flavor and then 10 wow. seconds later another flavor comes i don't know like because obviously the more you say the more tones you know uh are manifested in your voice bro you know what i, I need i need to put you on payroll honestly <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to be my hype man i'm, I'm loving it you know uh, uh, your checks in the post <laughs> All I ask for is 84% of the revenue from your new book, which we're going <laughs> to... Uh, in fact, well, man, this is what I can't wait to talk about, right? So you have recently released a new book, and it's entitled Voiceover and Public Speaking Prowess. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. that again, Voiceover and Public Speaking Prowess. Now, when did you decide to become an author and share the secrets of the trade in this way? Well, every year um, I have a vision board of stuff that I want to accomplish in the year, some personal and some sort of um, on a professional level. So going into 2021 was when the idea first came to me. And I said, okay, I want to make sure the year doesn't pass without writing a book on uh, the subjects that are close to my heart. So it started out as just on voiceover. And then, um, yeah, it just evolved into public speaking. Um, because the both the two are very very much um, what I do, so yeah, that's that's kind of um, when it was conceived. You know, twenty twenty one, and stuff got in the way, so it wasn't really worked on until the summer. Started working on it, but again, you know, life happens, other stuff comes up. But um, winter of twenty twenty one was when I really got my act together, um, and then basically finished the book. Uh, end of twenty twenty one, did the audio book. And then it was released at the top of this year, just a few weeks ago. That is absolutely amazing. Well, first of all, congratulations on becoming an author. I mean, that is uh, that is that is an achievement, an absolute achievement. You know, I've spoken to authors before on on this podcast, and it's it's not a uh, it's not something to be taken lightly. Like a lot of work and dedication goes into that. You know. Um, yeah. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. So, thanks. so that that really is uh, an amazing thing. Now, delving if we can a little because it's obviously been released so we can talk about it so delving a little bit into the book uh, bro chapter three um very interesting title we can hear what you're Mm -hmm. not saying we can Mm. hear what you're not saying now i've just said that (laughs) sentence but there's an infinity of things that i'm not saying so i assume that that's about body language could you tell us about chapter three yep 100 percent. it's about body language Um, And the premise of that chapter basically is this idea about how, or this fact that we had body language before we had speech. So therefore, as humans, we are very, very um, astute at picking up on body language cues and um, how it doesn't matter if you're a voiceover artist behind the mic, what you say um, and the actions and the body language and the gestures that you do can actually be translatable through the mic. Um, you know, there's that saying that people hear your words, but they feel your attitude. Mm. 
So if you're going to be a good, if you're going to be a good vocalist, good voice over artist, good public speaker, you need to make sure that your body language is not contradicting what you're saying. Mm, otherwise it will take away from the power of your message, right? Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you, your body works in partnership with your voice, you see. So I love that. It's you almost know, like a dance. You can, you can, you, exactly. Exactly. So you're, you're double threat if you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I was thinking as well? I've never really thought about that, even though it's uh, quite an obvious thing, but yeah, that you said that our body language comes first because I suppose, yeah, when we were a mm. baby, babies are still mm-hmm. more than capable well, let's say you take a two-year-old. They, they they might be able to say two or three mm. words, but they can still move mm. their body and, and express their face in certain ways where we almost kind of understand how they feel and, you know, mm. they can point the, to things and, and smile and so on. And we get an idea about how they're feeling, even if they can't communicate to yes. us. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I suppose that's the case with all of us. Um, mm. It'd be pretty weird if we came out of the womb and for the first six months we're talking amazing, in amazing clarity, but we don't move our body. <laughs> I mean, you, you audience out there, if, could you write to me, please, if you've ever met a baby that, that can talk perfect, uh, beautiful language but doesn't move its body? I'd, I'd be very intrigued to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be, uh, <laughs> that would be absolute bizarre. Um, it would. Absolutely it would. bizarre. But, yeah, no, that's, that's very, very interesting. So chapter three, we can hear what you're not saying. And mm. people who get your book can um, essentially learn how to um, uh, uh, embrace their, their body language and make it – uh, dance or, or put it in harmony with what they're trying to say, basically. Yeah, well said. So basically, to ensure your body language is congruent with mm, yes. uh, the words that you're uttering. Yes, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Okay, next one. Chapter seven, just fl- uh, flicking through this book. Chapter seven, eat and drink vocal clarity. Now, I, I don't know if this is where the, the vocal hyperbole uh, appears. I don't know because I haven't read it all. But eat and drink vocal clarity. Now, that, that sounds cryptic to me. What, what is the aim of this chapter, bro? So it's the idea that you can actually eat and drink your way into refining how you sound, right? So we're talking marginal gains here, but it all adds up. You know, there's that saying that um, our genes load the gun but our choices pull the trigger. Mm. So you may have inherited, you know, a way of sounding, let's say, but the choices you make in the way of food and drink can impact the way that you sound. So it's about making the right choices and eating things that are conducive to sounding uh, clear and having clarity in your voice. Wow, I love that. It's almost like epigenetics, isn't it? Where it's an interplay between mm. your genes and your environment. Wow, that's that's. Uh... So, in terms of eating and drinking your way to vocal clarity, can it be your? I mean, can it be Indian food, Turkish food, Ghanaian food? Could it? Could it be a, a hot pot? <laughs> could it? Could you know? Could it? Could it be jollof rice? I mean, well, could you give us some examples of what we can eat and drink? Oh man, I'm still having my jollof rice. I must say, so I'm not going to rule that out. <laughs> but um, uh, and uh, but to be honest, I have got some suggestions. But they're in the book, so oh really? Do the, need, yeah, do, do, do the needful and uh, find out that way. Um, yeah, so some things won't be surprising, um, but there'll maybe there'll be some things that um, people had not thought of. Um, the other thing to say as well is um, just a quick disclaimer, which is also in the book that I'm not a doctor or anything, so um, I'm by no way giving you a health plan that you need to follow religiously. No, you do what works for you. I'm just presenting what has worked for me 
And there is good research to back up what I've said. You'll find out when you when you get the book. That's really, really interesting. Now, going on to chapter eight, I, lo- I love the titles. They're very, very powerful. Make fear oh, thanks. your friend. So this is out of the ones that we've mm. spoken to, uh, spoken about so far. This is probably, I'm just looking back here. Yeah, that's probably the most obvious one in terms of, you know, what you're trying to uh, establish here. So make fear your friend. So, yeah, most people listening to us now are thinking, yeah, public speaking is terrifying. And, you know, let's be honest, uh, bro. For many people, public speaking terrifies them. Like, literally, I I think actually they've done surveys. You probably know more about this than I do. And I'm pretty sure that public speaking is up there for the majority of humankind as one of the biggest fears. Mm -hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, what what can your readers expect after reading this chapter? Imagine they're sitting here or, you know, they're listening to us right now and they're thinking, wow, Sam's book sounds amazing. I want to uh, get this book. I want to learn. You know, I want to I want to make fear my friend. I want to learn how to be a, a good public speaker or at least speak in front of just five people. I mean, even, you know, we're thinking public speaking a thousand people, two thousand, twenty thousand people. Right. Some people are scared of talking in front of five people, like literally walking into a mm. room. It could even be in an office environment or even a group of friends, you know, just speaking in front of five people can be uh, uh, insurmountable for some people. So what can your readers expect after reading this chapter? How, how can they benefit from this? So this chapter is basically like a motivational pep talk about how you can let fear work in your favor because it's not saying that you will never be nervous you know i think you should always have a, a degree of nerves even now you know, doing the podcast i'm a little bit nervous but in a comfortable way in a controlled way um and you know it's also about a mindset shift because people talk about public speaking like it's um you know a very traumatic thing and i i do i'm not downplaying it i know it is for a lot of people it's actually voted the number one fear in life so really? not even death. Number one. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It comes. It comes before, <laughs> before well, death. Yeah, before death. <laughs> yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Sorry. How so, does that make any sense? So <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't. But at the same time, I have compassion for people that feel that way, right? And so, as I was saying, it's about a mindset shift because um, phenomenal speaker Les Brown, and I mentioned this in the book as well. Mm. He said something that changed the game for me. He said that. Anyone who speaks outside of their home is a public speaker. That's very right? true. Yeah. By definition. How, yeah. How powerful is that? So we're all public speakers, really. Mm. So we're doing it. It's when, it's when we're so cognizant of it and we become so self-consumed. But the chapter helps us to sort of navigate those treacherous waters about being overly consumed um, and understanding that it's really not about us. It's about them it's about how powerful your content is that your 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 listeners just need to hear it you know um and it gives one or two coping mechanisms to help you you know not be paralyzed by fear but really to in many ways allow um let fear become an ally you know and to just use it to give you fuel to um you know really have a hearty delivery let's say that's really 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 fascinating i'm just trying to think of some uh you know comparisons there i suppose i don't know if i can compare it to walking or something but you know we, we all we, most of us can walk you know uh if we're able-bodied and it's like we don't think about or even breathing you know we don't think about what we're doing but i suppose if you if if one day you're walking and then you start like you know 
really deeply analyzing each step that you take it would i mean yeah it would be weird wouldn't it you'd be you'd, you'd carry on walking but it, it might you might even start walking a bit funny or it would just be a bit like no one does that no normal person starts thinking of mm. you know exactly every movement that they do um or, or every breath that they take it would just drive them into insanity so yeah in that sense yeah. I, I like the uh the analogy there like we're all public speakers just don't overthink it mm-hmm. first. exactly so exactly so because you wonder how people will feel if public speaking did not have that reputation so imagine it wasn't the number one fear you know because we, we do tend to mimic other people uh, not just in uh, like body language and that kind of stuff, but even in our belief systems. Mm. So it really all does start in the mind as far as I'm concerned. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Chapter 10, if, if we can, right? Mm. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> the public speaking dark horse. I mean, this is sounding mm-hmm. like apocalyptic or something. Like the, the, the public <laughs> speaking dark horse, well-chosen mm-hmm. questions. Now, yeah. okay. What is that? I mean, hopefully this is a well-chosen question to you, uh, bro. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> uh, how, how how can we how can we consistently perk up the ears of our audience? So there we are. We're on some kind of podium, maybe we're talking to a hundred, five hundred, a thousand people. How can everything that we say resonate with 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 the people that are listening to us? What what is your advice in this chapter? Okay, well, without giving away too much, um, essentially, it's about coming up with the right questions. So constructing questions that speak to the subconscious mind. Mm. That's, that's basically the answer, right? Because the subconscious mind is um, so important because behavior is only changed with the approval of the subconscious mind. You see, and I go a lot deeper into it i mean the book all in all is a concise book i'm not saying you know, it's not a big book mm. it's concise but is is very much dense with nuggets and good information so i do go a little bit more deeper into the book about how to speak to the con- subconscious mind and even give some free sample questions which are some of my favorites which i do tend to use in some of my speeches as well depending on the subject matter so that's pretty much uh, <laughs> the answer to your question there. Okay, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be working up the appetite of the audience. Um, that's uh, that's really really nice, and 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 the fact that you include some of your questions as well um, mm-hmm. is is another good thing because you know it, it gives people some ideas of of certain questions that they can they can use. Maybe even base it on your questions and tweak them a little bit, and maybe there you go, you've got another question to to feel free to, to yeah. ask the audience. You know. Uh, even if it's yeah. rhetorical, you know, because we know that rhetorical questions can sometimes be very powerful, um, even, even though they are rhetorical. So that's... Um, yeah. Well, well, the thrust, the, the idea behind the questions um, was that they should be rhetorical in their nature, because that also adds a level of um, respect and dignity to your audience, number one. Um But the questions that are rhetorical are answered internally. So you still get an answer. Right, but you you may not hear it, but there's inner dialogue going on, right? Uh, with you know within your audience, so it's it's highly effective. Right, I love that. So the idea being that when you ask a rhetorical question, because you're the public speaker, you don't need an audible response because everyone almost un- there's an understanding, a human understanding between public speaker and audience that that question has been answered. 
Um, yeah, yeah, and and you get a response. Uh, they may not realize they're giving it away at times. Guess how? Body language. So right. you, you, you may be getting nods or yeah, people, yeah, you know, yeah, pensive yeah. looks or yeah. eyebrows being flexed or whatever. Mm. Um, but you know, I guess even if you don't pick that up with every single member, you can just rest assured that if you choose the right questions that are speaking to them subconsciously and making them think on a critical level, then you're delivering value to your audience. Absolutely love it. Now, some people, I think, are going to love this podcast, but uh, uh, at the same time, they're they're just going to doubt themselves. They're going to feel too anxious. You know, I'm not fluent enough. I'm not eloquent enough. Bro, what's your advice for people like that? Well, first of all, take heart because... um, we've all been there and you know everyone struggles with that to some degree in terms of advice guess what i'm going to say read the book you know we'll tell you where to get it in the second so read the book please and second of all um take heart in knowing this it's always good to put substance over flash right? And what you find with those types of people who are a little bit anxious, maybe introverts, yeah, is that they tend to have a lot of substance. You just don't see it. And it's just a case of, you know, how to let that come across in their presentational style and in their confidence levels, right? And don't forget, the book is twofold. So it's not, it's voiceover. Yeah. So it's not just about flashy voice or sounding good. And then it's, and public speaking prowess. Mm. So they've already are halfway there, you know, a lot of the time, introverted people and deep thinkers uh, that perhaps may not be so eloquent, right? They've already got the substance part right, which is actually the hardest part. So um, that's what I say to them, that they're halfway there um, and the book can give you some tips about how to actually sound uh, even better so that your thoughts do come across. Okay, so now let's go to the other side of the spectrum. What about people who are listening to us now they're an established mm-hmm. public speaker. You know, they've got a measure of a measure of prowess. If we if we want to steal the word from your book, um, they've got you know various uh, um, achievements under their belt and so on. But they they just want to refine or, or hone their skill set to that you know take it to that next level uh, like you have. Um, how how will your book do that for them? Well, every great teacher is forever a student. Right. And any speaker that's worth their salt knows that. And that's why they say that leaders are readers. Right. So my book will come from a different angle. Even if you have all the accolades of speaking, you are now getting the perspective of a voiceover artist and a public speaker. Um, So this book will be a worthy addition to your library because very seldom do you have a book, sort of a how to manual, if you will, um, coming from that perspective. And so it's not just for people who, you know, maybe fear public speaking or that kind of thing. It very much is for those who are proficient at the craft because it's coming from an industry insider. Absolutely love it. What what a concise and amazing answer. You've definitely got a a power as well, an ability to give. I mean, you you spoke about how your book, for example, was quite concise, quite dense. Um, But Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good thing because I feel like if you can, you know, the fewer words at times you can use to portray your point the more power that it carries um and it can it can crystallize in the minds of the listeners yes oh thank you for that i do appreciate that 
Yeah, I mean, because I, I think by nature, I'm not, I'm not really a talker. I mean, to my mates and people who know me, but I'm not really a talker. Like, you know, um, I guess as a, as a child, I was a bit of an introvert. So I do really get that perspective. So even now, where I put myself out there a little bit, I guess that explains or accounts for the concise nature. For me, the goal is always to say things, you know, in as few words as possible, but be equally or even doubly potent, if at all I can. Yeah, amazing. So Sam, killer question. Where can people find your book and your work? Okay, so the book is available out now uh, via Amazon. So you can get the book in pretty much every format. So you can get it on paperback at Amazon. You can get it um, in ebook format. You can get it in audiobook format via Audible and um, Apple Books as well. Um, so yeah, I'd encourage you to go out, treat yourself and um, welcome this book to your library because it's definitely a keeper. Absolutely, man. Sam, it's been, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It's been extremely enjoyable for me. We've had, uh, I can't wait to listen to this back to myself. You know, we've, we've had a lot of good laughs here. <laughs> I can't even remember <laughs> oh, all the I've things we've it. laughed Thank about, you. but it's, um, nah, man. I mean, I knew it was going to be fun, but this has been, this mm-hmm. is, this has surpassed my expectations. It's been really fun. I've loved our time together. And of course, in an official capacity, um, I really wish you and your and your new book every success. And yeah, it just must be so fulfilling for you to to do something that you love, that you're passionate about, and something that you're clearly so good at. And uh, and the fact that you're able to, or you want to help others to to develop the same amazing skill set. So yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you as well, bro. You know, you mean the world to me. We've known each other nearly twenty years. So yeah, I jumped at the chance to be here. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And yeah, thanks again. Thanks a million, bro. Oh, you're choking me up, man. That was uh, <laughs> that was very emotional. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, my guest today was Samuel Cousy, or Sam Cousy as he's professionally known. I'm sure many of you today would have loved listening to Sam. We've got to know him more as a person, wonderful personality, so full of life, but also about his expertise as a voiceover artist and public speaker. Well, if you've always wanted to improve your speaking skills, I can't encourage you enough to pick up Sam's book. And as he said, it's available now on paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and iTunes. And I think Apple Books as well, if I haven't said that already. Please do check out Sam's website, which of course I'm going to leave in the show notes, along with all of his other details, links to his books, and so on. It'd be great if you could check it out. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help with the algorithms. Uh, It pops up more and then, of course, more people can find the show and we can grow organically. And don't forget to follow and hit the bell notification there if you haven't done so already. My name is Nate Ralph and you've been listening to another episode of The Inquisitive Tourists.